0: Brooke Romney is a writer, speaker, and connector. She has been published in the Washington Post, the Deseret News, and a host of other online publications where her pieces have been read millions of times. Brooke comes from girly roots, but has morphed into an outdoor-exploring, dirt-loving mom of four boys ages 9 to 18 and couldn't be happier about it. She's married to a man who keeps her on her toes but loves unconditionally, even when she leaves all the cupboards open and the lights on. In October of 2020, she published her first book, I Like Me Anyway, Embracing Imperfection, Connection, and Christ. And in October of 2021, she published her second book, 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens, which is what we're going to talk all about today. This Modern Manners for Teen guide has helped teenagers adopt fresh perspectives and doable strategies for living a more successful and connected life in a really simple way. Today we'll cover all kinds of teenage topics, everything from how to lovingly correct a teen to how to teach social media etiquette, and some of the ways we can raise our kids to be kind, thoughtful, resilient, and confident. Brooke, I'm so happy to have you with me today. Thanks so much for being here. I can't wait.
1: Thanks for inviting me on. Yes. So
0: you are an author and a speaker and you have written a lot, a lot of things that I've consumed and read over the years, but you just wrote a really cool book that's almost like a flip chart of all of these really helpful things for teens to learn about just being good people. So where did you get the inspiration to do this?
1: Well, lucky me, I have teenagers in my home, my own and others. And after like raising my first friend, I remember, I honestly remember going to Google and like trying to Google, like, just like common sense things every kid should know or like social norms our teenagers should know. And there was nothing out there. And I just kind of like put it on the back burner, like, oh, dang it. Like, it would be so nice if there was a book like that like fast forward more and more years and i started collecting things that like i was like okay like my kids need to know this my kids need to know that and i posted three of them that i had just observed in in my own life on my instagram account and people were like yes yes like these are things kids need to learn and sort of just like that little light went off like oh it's not just me that feels yeah. like not very well equipped to teach my kids all of these things. Um, And and other people would like to have these types of things at their fingertips. And so as the year went on, I started sharing like one a week and people were like, well, I need this in my home. Like I want to display it. I want my kids to read it. I read it. Sometimes I forward it to them. Sometimes I forget. They don't really love learning from me. And I was like, okay, we got to do a book. And so I worked with a printer that helped my idea come to life. So I just knew that I wanted it to be cute enough to display in a home and like neutral enough so that it was fine to put out. And I knew I wanted it to be able to be displayed so that it wasn't this like one-time lecture or like reading a paragraph to everybody and everyone rolls their eyes and they're like sort of over it. But just like a constant reminder in your house. And I decided to do 52. So you could take one a week and really like dive in and work on it.
0: Such a great approach. I love it too. Because A lot of times when I read parenting books or any kind of self-help, I'm like, okay, I got to remember this. Got to remember that. Or I'll try to tell Neil little things as he's falling asleep at 1130 PM. And yeah, it is hard to really make sure that you're actually adopting that information into your family or your everyday life. And so this is such a great applicable way to do that. Thank you. Let's talk about, I, I really want you to tell me with all of these things, how to lovingly correct a teen because that's
1: gotta be one of the hardest parts of all of this, right? Yeah, it's actually really hard for a lot of reasons. Like for one, like teen the teen world is a little bit hard and a little bit brutal. And so they really want their parents to be a safe space. Like people who build them up, they go to school all day and probably hear like, you're an idiot, you're so lame. And so they want to come home and not feel like that. That's one of the reasons why I wrote the book because it was just, it was hard. Like, I did not want to always be bringing up like, well, you're really bad at that. And I can't believe you kept your AirPods in when somebody was talking to you. You know, it just, it Mm -hmm. becomes so draining on a relationship. One of the things that I think my husband kind of like pioneered for us was just being willing, like in your family to accept that everyone has weaknesses and struggles. Like, it's not a bad thing. It's not like this horrible thing. And we actually talk about those really, really openly in our house. And we do it when we do it. Our kids understand that we're doing it out of love. And we talk about our own weaknesses and we talk about our own struggles. And so instead of it being this like mean thing, it's like, oh, hey, like I noticed this. I just like thought you might want to keep an eye out for it. So for instance, like one of my kids is so incredibly awesome in so many ways, um, but also doesn't have like a lot of emotion. And Mm. so sometimes like I was looking through some of his texts and like a girl had like sent this awesome like paragraph and how like great he was. And he just like said, thanks. And I was like, oh, buddy, (laughs) like, hey, like she just really put herself out there. And like, one of the things you need to remember is like, just because you don't feel a lot of emotion doesn't mean other people do. And it's nothing that's wrong with you. It's just, hey, like, let's work on that. You know, like, let's work on like having a little bit more emotion overall, like when we bring things up to correct, it doesn't always go well. But just the whole idea of like, hey, nobody's perfect. I don't expect you to be perfect. We're all just learning. We're growing. We're trying like I apologize. My husband apologizes. We talk about the struggles we're having. We talk about some of our faults that we're like, yeah, like I really am bad at keeping a calendar like super, super bad at it. And it annoys other people. And I need to do better. So I guess just having like a kind of a home that feels open to that not feeling like, I think sometimes we fall into this trap of like, we have to build our kids all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. But actually like what's more effective is helping them build themselves. And in order to do that, you have to be honest and have like a relationship where you can say some hard things, but they know that you still love them.
0: Yeah. And tell me more about building, having them build themselves. What does that look like?
1: So one of the things that I've noticed, especially with teenagers, is you can tell them 1 million times that they're so awesome. And if the world tells them they're not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter if you've told them 1,000 times they're awesome. As soon as the world tells them they're not, like that is definitive for them. When I think about the things that I want to help my kids understand, it's that their worth doesn't come from outside sources or even from accomplishments. It comes from who they are. And so as you're building your kids, really emphasizing the things that other people cannot take away. So mm-hmm. for instance, I like... Love that. You love learning. I love the way you love learning. I love how curious you are. This is so awesome. Instead of you got straight A's, because somebody can take away straight A's. You take a really hard class, you have a teacher that doesn't like you, whatever it is, those straight A's are gone. Maybe you're super smart and you bomb the ACT. Like all of a sudden, are you not smart anymore? But no one can take away the fact that you love to learn and that you're curious. And so, really, like, building those things. Like instead of like, Oh my gosh, you are a star basketball player. You're so talented. This is so awesome. Talking about like, you're so determined. Like I love seeing you on the court and you're relentless. You don't give up. No one can take that away from you. Only you can take that away from yourself. And so So really focusing on those things that can't be taken away because I promise if your kid's a star at eight, if they're a star at 11, you walk into middle school, you walk into high school, and it can be dashed in a moment if yes. you've hung your hat on those outside accomplishments or the way you look or how pretty you are or that you're the star of the dance team. Those things can all go away so quickly. And that's when it gets kind of dangerous.
0: Oh. That's so true. And my nine-year-old was telling me last night, mom, I'm so excited for middle school. And in my heart, I was thinking, oh, I'm kind of so afraid for you. But I was like, I'm so excited for you too. It's going to be awesome. And thinking, I hope it's awesome. But for most people, it's really hard. Those are some of the hardest years ever of life. They can
1: be. like They can yeah. be really difficult. And I think it's okay to go in like with your eyes open that it might be hard, but that yeah. it will also be great. And one of the things that I try to like help my kids understand is it's not an either or, like it can be hard and it can yes, be wonderful, like both. all at the same time, because that's what I've even seen in middle school. Like there were some really hard times, There were some really bummer times, but there also were some really great times. And just like making room for both of those experiences and emotions in ourselves and in our kids, I think that helps both of us feel successful with like new situations, whether it's middle school or joining a new team or moving houses, whatever that is saying like, yes, it's going to be hard and it's going to be awesome. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be great days. This is just a little microcosm for life. And sometimes when you're little, you don't get as much of that. So like, this is a great introduction to help our kids understand that they can choose how they walk through the world and whether it's bad or good, like they can decide to have peace and love in their hearts either way.
0: I love that. So your book focuses a lot on some modern teen tips because not all of our etiquette that we learned as children or adolescents perfectly applies to today's world. Because I don't know about you, but I didn't have a cell phone until I was 18. And it was just kind of barely a few of the kids in my high school had cell phones, but it wasn't really like the social norm like it is now. And I love that you focus on that. So How do you how do you even start with that? What are some of the most basic things that you teach kids about technology?
1: Oh wow, it's such a big conversation, and I feel like I've like run the gamut because my oldest entered the world of cell phones when there were almost like no controls, no options. Everyone had one. It was and, and there was no research. There was nobody to kind of like look to to be like, what does a smartphone do to your brain? Like that was all, and so we did a lot of trial. And like Mm -hmm. so many errors, it's like, I wish I could just go back and redo it, but we can't. So we just (laughs) learn, you know? Yeah. Then like my next kids, there's been a lot more. I've been able to feel like I've done it a little better with them. And then I have a 10 year old and I feel like now finally, like on kid number four, I'm like, okay, I think I know how I want to do this. And even though I think that he's going to throw curveballs, there's going to be something new. There's going to be something different. And I guess one of the things just to keep in mind is that every kid's personality is so different. And so what works for your friend is not going to work for you. And like, maybe your sister has obedient kids who are like, thanks for purchasing me a cell phone. And I'd love to plug it in every night. And your kid is like, Oh, heck no. Are you (laughs) kidding me? I will sneak it. I will steal it, like whatever it is. Just realizing this is like such new territory, like Wild West trying to figure out what works best for you. But if I could give any advice, it would be like, start slower than you think you need to start. There are a million years for them to be attached to technology ahead of them. And I think it is such a gift when parents just slow down. And one of the things that's hard is it's not going to be the norm. And your kid is going to be weird. And people are going to think your kid's lame, and people are going to think you're lame. But just being able to have the peace that you're doing the right thing for your family. And while it might be I like to say, while it might be difficult for them in junior high to not have access to everything and whatever it is. It's a lot easier to be left out at 13 and 14 than it is to try to make amends for a life you've totally destroyed at 16. So by giving them space and time for their brain to develop so they understand Mm -hmm. like actions, consequences, they can start to say like, I'm not just doing things to like rebel or to have freedom or because it feels good. I'm doing things like with an idea of like what I want my future to look like. And I understand that if I do these things, maybe this is the consequence. And every kid's brain is different. Some catch on so fast and some kids catch on so slow and it's totally fine. It's just who they are. And that's why they have parents so that we can know them and give them parameters to keep them safe and give them the best chance at a healthy and successful future.
0: Yeah. Out of total selfish curiosity, if you could tell me what to do with my nine-year-old that you have figured out by kid four, what are some of those just totally tactical tips that that you do with your kids to keep them a little bit safer with cell phones and technology?
1: So my plan for my nine-year-old, which like I said, could change, situations change. We, even with my third kiddo, he's 15. What i found that works for us is delaying the cell phone completely. But then we give them one that is really basic. So like a gab phone is what we've chosen to do for middle school. Like for us, that's not till seventh grade. So we get like a little extra here. The nice thing about that phone for me is like, you can choose if they like have lots of friends, they text and group texts, or if you can just do one at a time, then depending on the kid and how they do and their attitude. And if you feel like, They buy into your family culture and they're interested in like keeping rules, which not all kids are. And it's not (laughs) a parent's fault. A lot of them are just born that way. But if things go well, then we've been able to give a smartphone. I love like Trumi has such a great option for a smartphone that has still controls on it. We, that was not, yeah, that was not an option for us with my kids. So we did like an iPhone with everything locked down. So screen Mm -hmm. time, no apps. Or I'm sorry, no internet, no social media, giving them a chance to just figure the rest of it out first. And then after that, as they get older, and this really, really depends on like brain development and who my kids are opening some more options at like 16, depending on how they're doing. The interesting thing is, is like my kids don't really have a desire for social media. Like it's not something that they're interested in besides for communication. What a blessing. Yeah, it's great. Like we yeah. we talk a lot in our family about the dangers of social media, but more than that, the benefits that come from being able to live in real life. Yeah, That is what we focus on. This is why you don't want it, but this is, and not in like all the bad ways, but mm-hmm. look how much more time you have. You're able to live on, you're able to live on your terms. Like you're not involved in drama. Like, doesn't it feel good to not know what everyone's doing all the time? So, and then I do feel like pretty strongly that at some point they do need to have some freedom in your home so that when they leave your home at whatever age, 18, you know, that is, they have been able to have a million conversations about the dangers and the benefits of tech and they can make decisions for themselves about how they want to do it. So they don't, all of a sudden it's not like, oh my gosh, I finally have access to social media and I'm just going to go crazy and post my whole life and get into lots of trouble with it and be addicted to my phone constantly. Like the real goal is to create healthy, successful, progressing humans. And I think to do that sometimes they need, they need some Mm -hmm. like time with training wheels in your house to say like, oh yeah, I'm using this too much. And thanks for like calling me out and making sure that I remember that because I have better things to do with my life and time. So yeah, I love that
0: focus on living real life and the benefit of not being caught up in all of those things. I think back of, on how difficult middle school and high school were without having technology FOMO. I just don't even know how people do it now. So I think that that's super wise to keep encouraging your kids to kind of stay out of that lane until they're toward the end of maybe high school or whatever, where they're a little bit more mature.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a real gift that they sometimes don't realize is a gift, but Having enough conversations and also modeling that in your home. My husband is like an absolute champion for not being attached to technology. And sometimes him. sometimes yeah. I feel like, like an eighth grader that gets caught with her phone sometimes. Because he's like, <laughs> uh, you know, and so having parents, like he's better than I am for sure. But having parents like who encourage that and show that it's possible to live without being attached to your phone all the time, I think is really good kids especially teenagers like they see right through you as you're telling them to get off their phone and you're scrolling on yours it actually makes zero sense to them and I don't necessarily think it should it's nice for me to say like hey I'm doing work right now I'm on my phone I'm this is what I'm doing right now but if we're watching a movie and I'm scrolling on my phone and I tell them to get off their phone like that just doesn't really work
0: (laughs) that makes perfect sense so I want to know what you guys do when you have teen friends. You said you've got some teenagers of your own and some that aren't your own in your home. What do you do when you're trying to teach and promote these good things? And maybe not all of the kids are actually under your parental umbrella. How do you handle that?
1: I think you just kind of have to give that up a little bit, probably starting at 13. Like when the kids yeah. are little, it's awesome for me to be like, hey, you like, we're not doing Xbox today. Let's do this. Let's try this, you know, but by the time they're like about 13, unless they're just like, if you have a cousin that lives close by or kids who have been coming to your house for a million years, it's different. But as they bring new friends in and it would be really great. Like maybe you do have a relationship where you can control that and be like, "Hey, like let's put phones in baskets. Like let's do that. It actually hasn't been something that has worked at our house. But I do feel like raising kids who would, who prefer living in real life, they will choose friends who also prefer the same thing. So Mm, if you have a kid who's like, I have both of my kids that are teenagers in my house right now, both of them have been like, yeah, like it was super boring. Everybody was just sitting on their phones. Like I'd rather stay home than sit on phones with people. I've had my kids like call me early and be like, eh, like everybody just got on their phones at like 10, do you want to come get me? Just helping them like realize like they have control over the people in their lives. They can have control over what they do. I do think it's a little harder in middle school. Kids are pretty into it. But by the time high school starts, most of the kids that people want to be friends with are not the ones that are sitting on their phones all the time.
0: you encourage your kids in general to pick good friends and and surround themselves with people who are good influences on them.
1: I think that's really hard. I have like I have a little thought that I share with them about being a light and one of the things that I say is you need to know where your light is. So if you feel like your light like is strong and burning and like you feel so secure in who you are and like the good that you can do, then you can pretty much be friends with anybody because they are going to like be attracted to your light and they are going to want to shine with you. And sometimes they need your light. Like if there's a dim, sometimes they need your light, but you also have to be self-reflective to understand when your light is dim and when you can't, like when you need someone else's light and make sure that you are attracted to those people who will help you brighten your light. So for example, I don't think it's cool for people to just be like, "Oh, that person swears, I can't hang out with them anymore like ever ever, they're bo- they're like a bad person," you know? Yeah. But if you're someone who's really really struggling with swearing and trying to make good choices, then maybe right now is not the best time to surround yourself with people who are bringing you down. If you're someone who is like strong and feeling great and you know you're a force for good, then Be the one that lifts other people up. And so we talk a lot about being okay with where you're at, as long as you know where you're at, and then searching for people who lift you and build you and help you become the person that you know you can be.
0: How about inclusion? Because that is something too that I love that you talk about in your book and that I feel like every kid, be it a young child or a teenager or even adults struggle with. So what are some of the things that you teach in your book and to your own children? About inclusion?
1: Well, it's really hard. And I think cell phones have just like, just made it so much harder because you know, like, I'm sure I wasn't invited to so many things, but I never knew. Like, unless somebody talked about it on Monday, like, I had no idea I wasn't invited. Now you just know, like, immediately, like, my friends are hanging out. There was a party. Like, everyone went somewhere after the game and I didn't get invited. And I am not going to lie, that is like one of the hardest parts of being a parent is to not. Feed into it and buy into it and feel it so hard and think the whole world is so awful. And you can't believe these kids because the truth of this is, is your kid's going to do it too. Your kid is going to exclude someone. They're going to start a group chat without one of their friends they've had forever. They're going to just even transition friends. Like it's not even a bad thing. It's just a natural thing. Yeah. They're going to move from one group to another. And so just like kind of getting your parents shield on to not be so affected by every single thing that happens. But teaching your kids how important it is at the same time to include, to not just leave one person out. There's this thing that happens like all the time where people start new group messages and like just leave one person out. It's so dumb. Like just don't. My son actually like that happened one time and he took a little screenshot of our teen tips calendar and sent it to his friends. Cause it was like, dude, like don't just leave one person out. Like that's, that's not cool. But then also like one of the things that I've been really working on lately is helping my kids tell themselves a better story. So Mm. a couple months ago, my son, some kids were walking home from school and a few of them went with friends and he wasn't invited. And he was like, he came home. He's like a little bit more emotional, like, a like feels things a lot more. And he was like, Oh my gosh, he invited these kids over. Da, 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 da. Like I have nothing to do. That's so mean. And so like, I just sat down with him and I was like, Kate, have you ever invited this kid over? He's like, well, no. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, do you like hate him? Are you trying to make his life miserable? Are you trying to leave him out? He's like, well, no, like, we just like, don't always like the same thing. Like we just do different things. I'm like, okay. So could the same thing be true? Could he have just invited, I said, how many people did he invite? He's like, well, three. I'm like, okay. So he didn't invite 20. He just invited three. Like if you were to invite three friends, would he be the, like, would he be in your top three? He's like, well, no. I'm like, okay. So it's okay. If we don't get invited, it doesn't mean that people don't like us. If we get left out, it doesn't mean they were trying to hurt us. All it can do is remind us being inclusive is important. Being invited feels good. And I want to be the kind of friend like I want to have. Helping our kids know like, it's just the only thing they can control is how they feel about a situation. And as parents, especially as moms, sometimes we like can totally feed into it. And we can rile mm-hmm. ourselves up. And we can rile our kids <laughs> up. And we we'll are talk to our husbands. And one of the things my husband said one time that stuck with me forever is he said, you're not in charge of choosing your kids' friends. You're just in charge of teaching them how to be a friend. And I was like, okay, that's true. You can only do so much, but teaching them how to be be a friend is your job. And so helping them understand in those hard times, you don't want to make people feel the way you felt. So if it means opening your circle or inviting the new person or inviting the person that actually is kind of annoying to you, that's a good thing. Like you can do that. It matters to people. So."
0: Yeah. Those are such great tips. I really love what your husband said too. Say it one more time. It's not your job to choose your kids' friends?
1: Yeah. It's our job to teach them how to be a friend.
0: That's so good. I love that. I love that. I'm going to have to remember that and share it with my husband too. (laughs) Right. You teach a lot in your book too about having manners with adults and at other people's homes. And can you talk about a few of those favorite things? Because I think there are so many good gems in your book
1: a couple of them is like when a parent is getting you a ride when you get in the car you say hello you don't just mm-hmm. jump on your phone you don't whisper in the back seat you can even i think i say like bonus points for having a conversation yeah. with the adults and then making sure you say thank you when you get out of the car like those are just some really Things that you think your kid knows until you watch other kids and then you're like, oh, 100% my kid's doing the same thing and everyone else's <laughs> you know? Yes. When you come into a home, just respecting someone's home, like everyone has different rules. Like ask if you need to take your shoes off, ask if it's okay if food is taken out of the kitchen. Don't like one person when I posted this, she's like, yes. And don't put your greasy faces on my decorative pillows. And something like I hadn't really <laughs> talked thought about. But just like it's just like that general understanding of like what's okay in someone's home and that it might be different than yours and that's also okay.
0: Yeah.
1: One that's like so important to me is if you are at someone's house and you've spent some time there, when you leave, you say to the parents, like, thanks for having me. Like we have so many kids that just we're literally sitting right in the family room and their parent comes and texts them that they're they're there and they will walk right by us and go out the door. And it's like, bye. Like it's just it's just one of those things they just they haven't had to do it. Their parents have been texting them for the last five years that they're there and they don't even have to ask to use a phone or say goodbye. Yeah.
0: Or even just a family norm. Like when I remember when my husband and I got married, he would leave. He did this at first where he would just leave the house and not say goodbye to me. And I finally had to say, no, no, you have to say, I'm leaving, I'm going here, goodbye. I'll see you later. This is when I'm coming back. Something, anything, anything. Totally. You know, And he just, he was like, oh, that didn't even occur to me because he grew up in a family of six boys. He had five mm-hmm. brothers and his parents worked all the time. And so his brothers, they weren't like being polite to each other or saying totally. goodbye or hello, or this is when I'll be back, bro. It was just like... Yeah, I'm out. Uh, like, come and go as you please. Exactly. <laughs> so that was a that was a learning moment for him to be like, oh, that's important to you. Okay, I can do that. But I think those cultural differences in our families are sometimes you think, didn't your parents teach you this? But you just don't know everybody's yeah. situation. And that was his growing up, you know?
1: Well, and it's it's funny, like sometimes when I when I help people understand the why behind these mm-hmm. manners and like behind the book. It's because when kids do these things, they feel successful. There is like a feedback loop of parents being like, oh, I really like that kid for sure have him over. And when they run into that kid's parents, like he is so polite, it is so fun to have him around. So all of a sudden, your kid, even if he's like kind of an awkward middle schooler is like, I am fun to have around. I am polite, people like me, people like having me. And when our kids feel good about themselves they walk through the world so differently than when they don't. And so it might seem small or like not that necessary, but when you're the kid that every parent loves, that every family is happy to have around, that talks about you to other people, you can't help but be like, you know what? I am pretty great. And it's because of who I am in here. Not because I'm the star of the team, but it's because I am good in here. So
0: yes, those values that your parents have instilled in you are, are who you are, your character. I love that. Yeah,
1: that's
0: so true. Okay. I also really loved the part in your book where you talk about doing your part, like when you show up to something, do your part. And that is something my parents taught me. And that's something that I remember. I still remember going to an event where a bunch of people had agreed to do the same thing. And then just like the rule goes, you know, 20% of the people did 80% of the work and I came home so upset about it. And my parents just said, this is why we taught you to be that kind of person because not everyone is. So tell me how you teach that in your book and to your kids.
1: I'm less good at teaching it. My my husband's awesome at it. Like from the time they were little, we were always the last to leave. He literally never leaves until all the chairs are put away. Until the floor is swept, it doesn't matter if it's our job or if it's not our job. And my kids stuck around for that. And they just knew that it was like part of our family culture, like you just help out, you like finish the job. And I have to admit, like, as a young mom, I'm like, for real, for real, like we have these little kids, (laughs) someone else can do this. I'm so grateful that he decided to do like the harder thing. I feel like it's instilled that in my kids and they're teenagers. So it's not like they're always like, oh, sure. Let me help put the chairs away. But they know that it's like part of who they are. And when I think like when they have opportunities to do that, like without us around, they do. And it's just nice to raise kids who feel that need to do their part and to engage. And I think it's kind of the same thing, as I said, for like the other manners. Like when you do that, all of a sudden, you're the the reliable kid. You're the hard worker. When somebody's like, "Ooh, I need to hire somebody. They're like, oh, that kid was like, that kid's a super hard worker. Like he always finishes his job. And it's easy for them to say like, you're the guy. And so there's so many opportunities that come by being that person. While it's like good internally, all of these things actually are great externally too. Like They create really happy, successful lives full of opportunity because of who you are.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Okay. Talk to me about a parent who, I loved your post on grades that I read yesterday. And and I think that I read once in a parenting book that that's, th- according to this parenting book author, that that's the number one thing that parents get wrong is they internalize their kids' grades and turn it into their own grade. and And I think that could be applicable with any of these tips in your book. So, Tell me what you give, the advice that you give to other parents when they're like, oh, I'm failing or my kid isn't. You kind of mentioned this a little bit throughout the interview, like some kids don't want to follow the rules or some kids are struggling. How do you advise parents who feel like it doesn't matter if I try, it's just not sticking or it's not working or I have a kid who doesn't want to follow the rules. What's your advice with situations like that?
1: I love that you asked this question because I think like it's so easy to hear stuff and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes so much sense. I'm going to do it. And then your kid's like, yeah, you suck. like whatever, you know? And I've <laughs> yes. totally had that. Like I have been in that position. I've been in the position where I think I'm doing everything right. And everything goes wrong. My advice is to just keep trying for one. For two, your parenting is not dependent upon your children's outcomes. Mm-hmm. Like I had to stop defining if I was a good mom by what my kids were doing. I had to start defining me being a good mom, like by putting my best effort into things, by learning all I could, by holding on to relationships, by being willing to forgive. Like we've had some times that have been super turbulent. And one of like, at the end of the day for me, I was like, I am successful because I have a relationship with this child. Like one million things have gone wrong for sure. Not like the poster child for like do all things and everything goes right. But like, I held onto a relationship and I prioritized the relationship when things were really, really difficult. One of the things that I just had this, like such a strong impression, like he needs to know you don't just love him, that you like him, which was Mm. hard because there were lots of things that weren't very likable at the moment. (laughs) I just worked so hard to like find the good, to vocalize the good, to build him up. Even when you were like, um, Okay, I'm looking for the good. I'm not finding that many things. I have like a little series that I do on my Instagram called, let's see, it's like sincere compliments for tough teens, because there are going to be times when you're like, I want to be nice to you. And I want to say something nice and I can't find anything, but just like really trying prioritizing time with someone, like even when they're not doing anything that's especially lovely but still saying like, I want to spend time with you. Like, come with me here. Yes, let's go do that. I think a lot of times parents show that they only want a relationship when their kids are doing awesome. And like our kids need to understand, like, it's not about your output. It's because I love you and I care about you. And so I want a relationship when things are good and when things are bad. If you just got a 1.6, it's not that I don't like you anymore. It's like, okay, like, yeah, like we can still go out to dinner. Like, mm-hmm. like I like you. I want you to be here. And until they feel that and until they understand that, I think it's really hard for them to want to change who they are. And I also think sometimes we don't know the effects of our parenting until much later down the road. They are not gonna be like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for teaching me all those manners. Like that's been so helpful. But when they're like <laughs> maybe when they're years 35 old, totally. yeah. or when they're going out to dinner with a girl that they like and her parents, and they feel like 100% capable of being the right person at the right time. So I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of glad you brought up the fact that I need to know how my eggs are cooked. That was helpful, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think too, as I, as you're saying that I'm thinking about too, how God does not look at us and say, I only want a relationship with you, or I only want to hear from you when you're being perfect definitely not how he works with us so I think that that's always a good model too to that's just something I thought of
1: as you were saying that I love so much that you said that because I think like if we're like really like if we want a playbook on parenting like watching how he loves and relates to us he loves us at our worst and he never stops encouraging us to be our best and mm-hmm. I think like being that parent for our kids is exactly like it's the perfect model
0: yeah So I really want to hear too about advocating for yourself. I loved that you had that in your book as well. And I wondered if there might be a story or two that you would have because I specifically remember when I had a problem with a teacher more than once, but there's a couple of instances that I remember where my parents kind of gave me a pep talk and said, this is probably what you should say, but I'm not going to do it for you. You go do it for yourself. And those were powerful moments for me to learn to have courage and to talk to someone who is a superior and to do it in a respectful way, but still share what I felt like my, my argument was or whatever, not argument, yeah. but, um, yeah, but advocate ex- exactly how you said advocate for yourself. So where did that come from and what are your thoughts and advice there?
1: So I actually love the way that your parents did it. I think like for our family, as soon as possible, we encourage our kids to speak for themselves, whether that's like ordering something at a restaurant, saying mm-hmm. how they want their hair cut, just from the very beginning, as soon as possible, letting them know that they're capable of sharing like their opinion, what they want. We encourage thoughts like at home in discussions, like you don't have to have the right thought. We just want to hear what you're thinking. Giving them like the ability to feel confident like speaking their mind and things that are important. This includes like with a teacher, mm-hmm. with whatever situation they're going through. But what I love about the way your parents did that is they helped you. They weren't mm-hmm. just like, I don't know, just go talk to them. They were like, yeah. okay, like what is what is going on here? What is going on in your mind? Why do you feel like this is unfair? Okay, like here are some ways you might be able to say it that would be respectful, that would mm-hmm. forward the conversation. And honestly, like I have been blown away. I have some kids that are very comfortable sharing how they feel. I have some where it's like definitely more of a struggle. And even like my one son who would like rather do anything than have a confrontation has always been able to advocate for himself in school because it's something that he just knew we weren't going to do for him. But helping him, like rehearsing those things with him, helping him to see like, you can't just send an email and say, why did you give me that grade? Like you have to say like, Hey, Mrs. Smith, I was just checking my grades. I was wondering about this and then helping our kids understand too. Like, it's always okay to ask a question. It's always okay to get clarification. It's always okay to say like, this is the way I understood something. Can you help me understand how you saw it so I can do better next time? And sometimes it goes really, I would say 90% of the time for my kids, things have gone awesome. Like I have not had to step in, but helping our kids know too, like, if you've done, it actually just happened recently where a teacher wasn't responding. My son was out sick for a week. Grades Mm -hmm. were coming, you know, there were all of these things. It was like, things were coming to a close. And you know, my husband said, email her one more time. And if she doesn't respond, like I'm happy to go and see what's going on. Helping them know that like, if for some reason, like people don't respond, if for some reason you're still in a predicament that you feel like incapable of solving, like we are happy to reinforce some things and help you out if you need it. So you're not just all alone, but we, I would say there's probably only been like two or three times where we've ever even had to take that step because guess what? She emailed him back, you know, and and it all worked out. So
0: yeah, that's so powerful to have a kid advocate for themselves. And I love what you said about, teaching them that it's always okay to ask for clarification. That's mm-hmm. also really really powerful thought. Okay, well, I love these tips so much. I could seriously talk to you about every single one in your book, but people will just have to go buy the book themselves and then teach their kids and have these really meaningful discussions in their homes. But I have one last question for you and that is if there's one message that you want the people listening to this podcast episode to remember, what do you want that message to be?
1: I think the message that I would love for people to remember is probably that it's never too late. I think as parents, it's so easy for us to sometimes think like, well, I didn't do it then. I I let my kid have a cell phone at 10. It's, it's all too late. Or I didn't teach them this way. Or this kid's a complete mess. Like our relationship's done. Mm-hmm. I think just like, just knowing that it's never too late. It's never too late to be the parent you want to be. It's never too late to work on a relationship you want to have. It's never too late to teach better than you've been doing. As parents, we weren't expected to know everything in the beginning. Sometimes I just like want to apologize so much to my first kid because I'm like, ah, I know so much more. I can do so much better now. And I think there's sometimes those feelings of like guilt and what if, but that's not productive. What's productive is saying like, How can I be the person I want to be right now? How can I be the parent I want to be? How can I achieve those relationships with my kids, even if they're grown and married? Like, how can I start again? Can I say, sorry, sorry, you know, can I say like, I want to work on this. I hope you want to too. But for anyone who's just feeling like, oh, like I just got it all wrong. um, It's just never too late.
0: That's a beautiful message. And I'm going to be thinking about that a lot. So thank you so much for all of us, Brooke. Where can people find you and your book and all of the good
1: things that you're doing? You can find me, I'm mostly on Instagram at Brooke Romney Writes, and you can find the book on Amazon. It can ship um, most places. And Mm -hmm. if you are in Utah, Idaho, or Arizona, it's also in Costco.
0: So awesome. Thank you so much, Brooke, for your time. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast, and you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox, and we'll email you every time there's a new episode.